You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about Alexander Spence, or Skip Spence, and his album Or. In the room, I have Rob, yes, sir. Adam, mm-hmm. John, yeah. and Ben. Hello. Or is the only studio album by Moby Grape co-founder Alexander Skip Spence. It was recorded in 1969, over seven days in Nashville, on which Spence plays all the instruments. The producer is himself, and the genre is rock, folk, and psychedelic rock. And from the book, Robert Dimery. By 1968... Alexander Skip Spence's mental stability was wavering after he used an axe to try and break into the hotel room of fellow Moby Great band members Don Stevenson and Jerry Miller. Spence was committed to Bellevue Mental Hospital for six months. Following his release, he took a $1,000 advance from Columbia, bought a motorcycle, and rode it down to Nashville, where he set about recording the songs that he had written in Bellevue. There's nothing else quite like them in rock. Aura was recorded at low volume. The sound is intimate and all the more unsettling for it. The music has an improvised quality, and the accompaniment all by Spence is sparse. It has been sometimes called a soundtrack to schizophrenia and a visionary soul effort, but became delegated to bargain bins shortly after its release in the spring of 69. However, those who did hear it were instantly drawn into Spence's inimitable Sonic surrealism. All right, what do we think of Or? Can I read Robert Christgau's uh, review <laughs> of this? Yeah, sure. Right after that? Okay. Yeah, yeah why not? Go. Uh, strangest record of the year, slow and lugubrious. Oh, God. Lug- lugubrious. Lug- lugubrious. Completely lacking the explosive energy Spence used to bring to Moby Grape when he called himself Skip and swung axes at people. By anyone else, it would disappear immediately. C minus. <laughs> Uh, hmm, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I loved this record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I got one <laughs> every second of this record. Every second, because I listened to the Spotify version, and I don't know if they added I more shit too. or not. They added more shit. So I was oh, about to say, there's how more. long that's is this? Wait, wait, wait. You can just look on Wikipedia, and it has but a track listing. Well, was, the problem is you're I'm listening, lazy. and then you're like, why is this so long, and how many songs are left? Big like, question yeah, though yeah. is Lawrence of Euphoria in the list that you listen to? <laughs> yes, and you love it. Oh my. <laughs> He's Ben from Eden, and I'm Lawrence of Euphoria. Fuck that with a rusty pole. Jeez, baby, and I'm Lawrence. There's sisters and Marie. No, I laughed a lot when that happened. I have never heard this record before this week. 
And I've listened to it like four times this week. Yeah, nice. And let, let, I, I've been writing all over the margins. Like I, I, like I a didn't have a, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you seen Seven? That's what happened. <laughs> They're turning you like, into one of them. <laughs> looks like Wesley Willis's notes over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, well, the thing is, just like uh, backstory wise, yeah. it's so interesting. Well, it's got that appeal of like the outsider art, like the Wesley Willis or like Daniel Johnston, or uh, it's like got that appeal. But the songwriting is like Skip Spence or Alexander Spence. You know, he's a seasoned musician. He's played in a multiple A-level bands. He has atrophied mentally, and I'm sure he's like on all sorts of medications that are kind of keeping him under a harness. But at his core, he knows how to write a song and he knows how to use like lyrical structure and how to write stuff. So it's got that like that outsider stuff, but if you can get past that and like that stuff's cool too, but like at its root, like these are actually really cool songs. And I'm actually surprised that more people haven't covered these songs. Like taken taken the song and kind of stripped away the shambling, almost falling apart parts of it and just like make an actual pop or rock song of it. Well, that's what, I mean, he was intending to do. Right. And yeah. I didn't know that until I listened to it like twice. He thought he was recording demos. Yeah. And so like, he's in the studio all by himself. He's his own accompaniment. And you're listening to these tracks where like it'll get into parts where like the drums kind of fall out of place with the guitar, you know, because he they're recorded at separate times and stacked on top of each other. And you think like, oh man, why why didn't he fix that? Oh, probably because he's a crazy person. Well, not necessarily. He thought it was a demo, and he thought it, like, you know, they'll get the gist. So, yeah, well, did, in one of those songs, doesn't he just yell, "Ah, oh, hot chords! Got some hot <laughs> chords coming in." <laughs> there's there's a few times where like it's like he doesn't quite know how to end a song, so he'll just, he just like, goes into Inigata to beat the, uh, I think this record, I, I went, I waffled a lot because there was moments where like this is kind of cool. This sounds like Nick Cave or something. There were moments where I thought there's like a really interesting darkness. I didn't know anything about the backstory. I didn't know that he was in Moby Grape. I, I did that week with you guys, and I didn't care for that record. Uh, yeah, I thought there were some songs in there that was like this is kind of interesting. The demo thing sheds a lot of light on yeah. some of the choices to me. Mm -hmm. um, I also, the big thing for me was like, why was this so long? And I didn't understand that I was listening to some like extra content yeah. on Spotify. And so. We got duped. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see like, re re to revisit it actually. Yeah, what's the runtime on this thing? I didn't love it, but I thought it was kind of a mess. But like, I also uh, thought there's some it's, moments. It's 44 minutes, and then uh, with the, the reissue is 65 minutes. Yeah, that was a lot of. Uh, a yeah, because yeah, I was like done with it. And then I was like, but it wasn't done with you. Well, there was yeah. a song that was really dragging on, and I went to, I went to like skip that, it. That was probably the last song. Gray Afro. Gray Afro. Oh yeah, that song yeah. was. I thought that that's was the skipper, end. but that's like, the end. Yeah, Gray yeah. Afro's on the original. And, yeah. Yeah. and on the original, it's a fade out. And yeah. on the Spotify version and on the reissue, it's it's no no fade out, full length, and then like five more songs. <laughs> yeah, that was the song that I was like, I can't do this anymore yeah. because I didn't, I wasn't hating it, but it lost me. So anyway. Interesting more on the politics of like adding extra songs onto an album and how it can affect the listener. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, is I would not want my records to be released with extra content 
on the same, you know, I, like if it was on like another record that you have to put on or something, yeah. but like Spotify just as a vehicle for yeah. creating the perception of that's an one album. Of the, yeah, that's one of the worst aspects kind of, of Spotify is is deceptive. It's like intention. Yeah, it's it's what the artists intended, and they had no control over these like reissues. Wait it down by the gun. Weighed it down by the river for you to come, my darling, the darling, my action. When three months I was gone, but whose songs were you? So that time in Bellevue just seemed like it kind of gave him the quietness and the security almost to just like work through this stuff and lay it down, like write these songs, get like, just kind of exercise it out. And then, yeah, like, it seemed like the day he got out, he bought a motorcycle, rode to Nashville. Dave Rubinson, the same producer that he threatened with a fire axe and held charges against him, was the one who lined him up with the studio. And he specifically got, uh, quote, like the most patient sound engineer in town. And it was just Skip Spence and the sound engineer. And Rubinson, basically, his only advice as a producer was just to keep the tape running the whole time and kind of just stay out of his way. And he was just in there just doing his thing for, like, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, man, this, this album, it's dense, and it's troubled, and it's really cool, I think. There's moments of brilliance yeah. that pop yeah. up through it. And then there's also, why? But now that you've, you know, explained a little bit more on why, I'm, I'm, I'm more on the side of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I as I was going through, I it would pop up that half of the song, uh, eh, not half, but at least four songs on the album. I was like, "This is amazing. This is this is great stuff." Um, I'm a big Towns Van Zant uh, fan, and this sounded exactly like his sort of somber, somber country ballad, you know, folk ballads that he does, which are just like fixing to die, you know, like I'm. I'm in a terrible mental state because my life is actually like I'm actually half crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you get that auth, uh, the authenticity with with him, but some of the songs are so just like hippy dippied out there that I I just like didn't. It's a real didn't didn't like mix it. Mix and match mm-hmm. yeah. of a record, a nice yeah. bag, if you will. Uh, yeah, but like I think. What's the name of this song? Uh, Weighted Down, the prison song. I yeah. think the song's really cool. But like, if, if you looked at the lyrics, it's actually really cleverly I've written. I read some of them, but I, I'm not, I didn't like read them. Though. There's like neat plays on words where like he uses the word weight like spelled differently, right. different ways. Like he keeps on recycling the same sure. phonetic sounds, but it's always about something different. I just like the vibe, but like it's it's just very low and like just. I don't know. This, this song reminds me a lot of like One Foot in the Grave era Beck. Mm. 
And yeah. I got some whiffs of Roger Miller, like, running through some of this shit, too, with the wordplay. Um, yeah. I, but no, yeah, I, I was I was also thinking uh, a little bit of, like, early Beck. Yeah. At best, you're getting Roger Miller. At worst, you're getting, like, bad Shel Silverstein. And mm. it's not, like, <laughs> and it's not, like, the enjoy. I mean, Shel Silverstein's fucking great. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, there's a lot that's... Like an imitation. Yeah. I don't know. Speaking I mean, of... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say... Yeah, it's it has it's like some of the songs I feel like cute, nice, nice little song, and then some of them like this is deep poetry, and some I'm just like, where is this even going? It it just it does feel schizophrenic. I mean, mm-hmm. it it literally feels I think like you just have to commit to it, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I did feel that it is one of the first albums that we've listened to within this book that feels like the lo-fi recording. It feels like the bedroom recordings Mm -hmm. uh, of someone who is just doing it by themselves, which, you know, we would call that what four-track recording when, you know, in the 90s or whatever. With your Fostex. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But this is like one of those, this would be an inspiration for that kind of stuff. And yeah, like you were saying, I got the vibe of like Daniel Johnston. 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 Before where it's like he's he's seen some stuff and he's had those visions. Yeah. And this is like, yeah, getting getting it out. And this song, uh, Weighted Down, uh, like I've already been mentioned the lyrics to it, but it it's almost it's like it's a pre-murder ballad. It's like the song that comes before the murder ballad. It's like the last verse of it. Uh, it's it's about like knowing that your woman done you wrong, and he's always like he's weighted down with the decision. He's weighted down with something else, and he's waiting down by the river. And like the last verse, he's he's waiting down by the river with a gun, and it's like, hey Joe. Yeah, Where are you yeah. going? It's a premeditated murder yeah. ballad. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, yes. Nice. nice. <laughs> the lawyer in the room. Uh. You, you mentioned Shel Silverstein, and there's there's one song, uh, uh, "Broken Heart," where like the the basically the whole format of it is he's just saying different things that should do that don't, like an Olympic swimmer whose belly can't be flopped or whatever. Mm. But my favorite of uh, like, there, there, a lot of them are really clever. My favorite one is like a honey dripping hipster whose bee cannot be bopped. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a wave against the tide. Like a wave against yeah. the tide. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Inside joke. Uh, I do like. I do like. I'm gonna say one last thing. So so many songs are just like they're they're like the dude's in pain and he's confused and. Uh, and so many of these songs are difficult, and they're just like grappling with that mental state. But also, you know, he was in isolation for six months, so there's a few songs in here where he's just regular horny. Like, you know, like, like uh, the I di- also just enjoy to fuck. Like the Dixie Peach Promenade. Like I need a little yin for my yang. Yeah. Like that. It's just it's a fun song about like I wish I was doing it more. If you'll stand, I'll stand beside you beside you by day. If you'll be under me at night. Yes. <laughs> like it's just some basics. Yeah. What you're saying, Ben, where someone just took the demos and like, okay, yeah, the drums don't line up and it sounds shitty because he's playing all the songs and he wasn't intending to really make it well produced. You understand that, but you know, you don't necessarily want to listen to that as an album. Well, that's the that's also another question I had. So, I really like this record in its present state, 
at like like warts and all. Like I think it's a really cool. It's a document of a moment or a, of a week, you know. But now, like, I'm kind of curious as to hear like finished. what Skip was intending these demos to become. I think that's why I, I take marks away is because it feels so unfinished. It, it feels like it's got a lot of style though for something like yeah. like there's a lot of effects happening and like interesting treatments that I'm I'm sort of like intrigued by the idea that this was the demo like yeah but follow up question am I wrong in saying that there's an album out there from like '99 or something called More or which is covers it's a tribute to okay it's a tribute but. In some tributes, there are covers. Is that similar or no? Right, it's different artists like playing these songs and yeah. songs by. Okay, so I mean, I don't know if that means that they've polished them or made them in a way. Oh, that, that is, yeah. I, guess I, have, I didn't hear it, so I don't. I know haven't what it'd heard be like. it either. Yeah. yeah, it has some famous pe- people in, including Robert Plant doing Little Hands, Mud Honey doing War and Peace, Whoa. and which Tom, we're listening to right now. Tom Waits doing Books of Moses, oh boy. which which seems kind of amazing. Uh, yeah, Books of Moses, yeah. for reference, has, like, a rain stick and, and Beck, some other shit going guess on. Guess what? <laughs> Beck doing a Halo of there Gold. There you go. But oh, that's, yeah. yeah. selling album in Columbia Records history and yep. it was deleted. <laughs> Within a year it was deleted. Yeah. There you go. That makes sense. I do like that uh, that that David Rubison, the producer of Moby Grape that pressed charges against Skip Spence. I do like that he saw enough talent in him that he he wasn't there to produce it because he kind of wanted to stay out of Skip's way, but he enabled this record to happen. He made sure the right people are in place for this record to come out. And I think he was actually the one that made the call to release this as the album. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, I'd proposed the question before, is is this is the story behind the album more interesting than the album? You would say I would say no. no. I think it's I think it's like two peas in a pod. Okay. Yeah. I, I I'm I'm verging on positive for it. It's real fucking weird, and but like good. Like it, there's way more good things happening throughout it than there are bad detractors. And knowing that finding out that this is just one dude in a studio <laughs> losing his mind for like a couple of weeks uh, adds to the mystique of it. Um, we were discussing uh, a while ago uh, on the um, Leonard Cohen thing how, like, I can't, like, not like Leonard Cohen. <laughs> like, I don't... You can't. I haven't found it yet, and he's one of the only singer-songwriter dudes that, like, I'm consistently like, man, Leonard Cohen, yeah. so good. Yeah. And a lot of style. A, a lot of this, uh, 
when it's good, like it, it, it draws me in like that. So yeah. yeah but I'll, you could base it off of the album. I mean you don't have to you know, I could I could say just based on what I'm hearing in this album, X, my opinion. Sure. Yeah, I I'd go positive then based on what I'm hearing right now in my ears. Okay. We think Adam. Don't listen to all sixty-five minutes of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's rough. Also, you can skip most of Grey Afro. But I was gonna go neutral on it, and I think I'm gonna go with like a you know neutral plus. Just, just I I want I want to just mention, (laughs) like I think Ben's case for like some of the information I didn't know from not doing any research uh, makes me like, like if if it was just like I listened to the record, I would have given it a neutral. But like you know that. Presumably means that either you just don't care at all, but you don't hate it, or I think that can also mean I think some of it's really good, and I think some of it's pretty throwaway, and I think that's this record is it's it is unfinished. Um, I I think I might try listening to some of it again, or at least pick out the songs that I think uh, I'd like to hear again more and make a note of them. Um, so that's why I'm like, oh, like I almost want to give it a positive, but I just. I think I honestly just need to hear it more. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, th- I think Ben did the right move was listen to it earlier and then keep listening to it. Because mm-hmm. I, I heard this at like 6.30 tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And I'm hearing it for the second time. No, I'm absolutely going to be going through this and finding some stuff to bring to the band I'm playing with right now to kind of like figure out a decent cover. There, there's some wacky, cool shit going on. It seems on like it. Will's a fan. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. W- w- William would... <laughs> this is this is his bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it a neutral. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate the argument, but if the question is, is this a good album... I can't say that it is because it's not a finished product. Spoken like a real lawyer. Right? It's like, (laughs) you didn't sign the document, so it doesn't count. (laughs) So, there you go. (laughs) Atticus Finch looking motherfucker. (laughs) But, no, I I agree with everyone else's sentiment that, you know, in some of the, you know, it's it's overall better than crappy. The crap is really pretty bad. Um, Like, not unlistenable, but when you hear... The song, you're just like, wow, this is just off the fucking rails, and it's not one that you would play again, other than to show someone and be like, listen to this shit. Yeah. Uh, but the really good songs, yeah, have have a lot of promise. It's just not done. Hmm. I'm I'm going positive. Yeah, uh, I think that this album requires multiple listens. I wrote down a quote. I didn't cite it, but I read uh, one of the most harrowing documents of pain and confusion ever made, and I think that's cool. I also think it kind of bops sometimes. I don't think any of it, I wouldn't call any of it crap. Uh, I think that some of it's like maybe partially worked through ideas, but I think even those have merit. I I think like even the weak, I think that even the weak spots on the album are showing that he was headed in a cool direction, but maybe didn't get there all the way. I I guess I'm a fan of, of Alexander Skip Spence. I'm Lawrence. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know I'm struggling between a negative or a a neutral yeah I get where he's going and I understand it but ultimately it's like he didn't intend for this and it doesn't yeah it doesn't feel basically I think that he just recorded these to get the ideas out which is cool that he did so well with that but he didn't 
take the time to really get these songs the way that that could produce better songs. It's it, it's like the intent, but not being fin- like a uh, finalized. He's singing. He's not going back and doing like a, a second take or something like that, which can be cool. You know, you can be off the cuff, but I think that it just doesn't work all the time. However, that being said, I did find I marked like how many songs I, I was genuinely liked. And I, I think there was like four or five, which is about half the album. So mm-hmm. it's not great, but it's not bad at all. Interesting. I mean, it's interesting to listen to. And it's one of those albums that, yeah, I feel like it's pretty d- divided. Either you're for this sort of. Uh, off the cuff, uh, unfinished, loose, loose, very loose narrative, like that Tim Buckley album or something. Or you, you want a, a little more structure. You, you want to hear the production. I would probably go neutral, I guess. Though I mean, the songs that are are there, like the prison song, this Book of Moses song, um, they're interesting. It's just like when they're bad, they're really bad, and when they're good, they're really good. Who knows what half, would have made the cut half. if you had like actually had choice in the matter? Yeah, I just I'm just imagining being, and I don't want to give it extra credit for that because you have to rate what you're listening to. Exactly. But I I am curious. Like I just imagine myself as a songwriter where it's like, here I am, not totally with it, and I'm putting a bunch of stuff down, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what's out. Like mm-hmm. it's not even the album. Like, who knows what songs would have made an album? Or if the production, like, maybe the production he would have put in there, like, this funky bass, and I would have been like, no, absolutely not, or, you know. Yeah, it 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 could have been worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? It's it's like seeing into the artistry process, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, if you're interested in that before the final product, it can be more rewarding. Just yeah. to see the loose narrative of like how your brain conceptualizes these things, but then also you get tacked on in a God of Devito for one song, which right. is like, I I just like said, cool song, terrible like at the end like bad why, choice bad choice to to do that. So. It seems like it huh. like it seems like that decision was made by David Rubison, and yeah. it seems like if. If you factor in his perspective from working with Skip for years, and then also if you look at the conscious decisions that Dave Rubison made, of he, he consciously made a point to not be around while Skip was recording because he thought it would have a bad, an adverse effect on Skip. He consciously made sure to get the most patient engineer and to tell him to have always have the tape rolling and other than that, stay out of the way. And then he consciously decided to release this. It... It seems like David Rubison, it seems like he was under the impression that Skip would not be able to work in a conventional environment. Like, you couldn't, these couldn't, it seems like if I can project what I think Rubison's opinion was, these songs never could have become an actual polished album because Alexander Spence is incapable of working with other people. Like, he had a danger to himself and others. The other album would have never even happened. Right. Like, it was just always going to be this. Yeah, and I think that that probably would have been Rubison's take. Yeah. But then the counter-argument is that that means that maybe Skip wasn't giving... Right. He wasn't giving it at all. He was just... Skip should have been in on it. Yes. 
Like, hey, this is going to be your album. Maybe he would take as many takes he as was, you need. He wasn't in the mindset <laughs> to, to be in on it, though, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of I like that, like, organicness yeah. to it. Like, that's part of the charm for me. Yeah, a b- but a bit of it does feel a bit like he's he's lazily, not lazily, but, you know, not well, it, it, when, living when, up to what When you could. think it's going to be a rough, a rough draft. Yes, yes. Y- you make different choices. Yes. And maybe that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. All right. Next time, we'll be talking about Frank Zappa, Hot Rats. Thanks, y'all. I'm Lawrence! Lawrence, from euphoria, I'll share your tent, pay your rent. It's worth every single cent. I'm Lawrence, from euphoria. You rise from the deep, come in your sleep. <laughs>